Hey everybody, you're listening to the Franchise Fluent Podcast. I'm your host, Austin Titus, and this is where we keep you fluent in franchising. Today we have a special guest. It's our first episode, but it is a special guest. Uh, Andrew Titus. Same last name here, right? I'm Andrew Titus, EVP of Development at United Franchise Group, uh, and Austin's brother as well. So excited to talk about Franchise Fluent with you. Yeah, yeah, this is going to be fun. We have a few different segments that we're going to be getting into. One of the segments that we're going to do is where we kind of go through a couple of different headlines in franchising, so articles that we find in the franchising world and in small business and entrepreneurship in general. Uh, we go through the topics and talk a little bit about those topics and you know give our two cents if it even matters. Um, another segment that we have is going to be interviews with franchisees And then another segment is interviews with franchisors, so leaders in franchising, uh, vendors, suppliers, all kinds of stuff like that. So we're excited to get more into that. But this exact episode, we are going to be going through uh, some topics uh, that we have picked out already. And so I'm going to dive right into it, and I'm going to read the headlines to the topics and read a little bit of the article, and we're going to give our two cents. This first article is by Tricia Contreras. The title is Restaurants Reallocate Some Tasks to Robots to Deal with Staffing Shortages. Article reads, as restaurants adjust to changing business conditions, some operators are using robots and other automation technologies to reallocate some tasks and maximize efficiency. Many restaurants are still operating with fewer staff members than they had before the pandemic, but rising costs have forced some operators to put hiring on the back burner. According to the Restaurant Business Conditions Survey released in August by the National Restaurant Association, 65% of the 4,200 restaurant operators surveyed said that their restaurant does not have enough employees to support its existing customer demand, and yet 40% of restaurants have had to cut staffing levels in recent months due to higher costs, while 29% have postponed recruiting and hiring plans. And then lastly, to help fill in some of the gaps created by understaffing and respond To rising costs, nearly one in four operators said that they have incorporated more technology into their restaurants. So you want to take a stab at this first? I'd I'd love to, Austin. And to to all the listeners out there, you know, don't be afraid that this is like uh, that movie iRobot where they're going to be taking over your jobs and uh, every part of your life, really. But no, I do think that robotics and, and especially advanced technology is going to be a lot of there's going to be a lot of innovation of those things in the day-to-day business. So whether it's to improve the efficiency of certain items or to improve uh, the quality of the product, I think it's something that we should definitely look at in franchises, and it's just going to keep growing and growing. Um, I, I do, though, want to hedge this and say that there's always going to be things that only people can do, I think. Wouldn't you agree? Absolutely. And and I'll throw my two cents in there. I got a pretty strong opinion on this topic because, you know, even before the pandemic, I remember I was in Australia and I was in the Sydney airport 
And there was a McDonald's that was on the second floor of the Sydney airport. I've been to and that one. And at the bottom, yeah. it was just a big touchscreen. And this was kind of the first taste of this type of technology that I've had. And I thought it was incredible. And I looked up, and there were actually, you know, employees in like a, like a McDonald's kitchen And it's up a, there. a conveyor belt, and right? And there's a conveyor yep. belt. You ordered your food, and then a conveyor belt with your meal came down, and you just took your food. And I thought it was incredible. But on the other hand, I thought it was incredible for McDonald's. Yeah, and yeah, so, yeah. so my two cents for this is technology could be extremely great for those types of businesses because nobody goes into a McDonald's and expects amazing customer relationships yeah. and amazing customer service. And so they don't, have to, they don't have to hedge that at all. But for restaurants that have built their business off of building relationships and, and customer service and, and that type of stuff – I don't know if it's a great idea to utilize technology like that. Sure. And us, and I would definitely say I've seen some similar concepts in the fast casual market as well. Mm-hmm. You know, you think of even a, even some more um, sit-down restaurants like a First Watch. In First Watch and the new ones opening up, they're actually having you pay, go up to the counter with your bill, and there's only one cashier. The waiters aren't running the bill back and forth. And so some of those innovations in maybe the way we do things will change to be make more efficient, but you know, I think it's like you said, it depends on the business, depends on what that business yeah. has built their their business on ultimately. Yeah, like I saw it. Uh, well, at Olive Garden, they've been doing it for a while. They've got the touch screen on the on the sure. table, and you just order, and the server just brings the food out to you. So rather than sure. yeah. building that relationship from the beginning, that server is just literally their first interaction with you is bringing the drinks that you already ordered on that tablet. So it's interesting. And and, and how much does our dad hate it when you have to just scan the QR code either at the <laughs> restaurants, right? You scan the QR it's code terrible. at the restaurants, and you pay. So there's some things that I think the restaurants have gone a little too far in as well with trying mm-hmm. to innovate. Well, yeah, and, and the article talks a little bit about, you know, in regards to staffing. And so it makes sense when you can't get staffing and minimum wages raising and, you know, you can make a one-time investment or at least a fixed-cost investment in technology and, you know, allocate your expenses differently. So it makes sure. sense. Yeah. yeah. So there's a lot of different ways you can, you can go with it. All right, moving on. So we have our second article, uh, and it is Franchising Remains a Steadfast Business Model. And this is by Mark Siebert, uh, where it talks about inflation and managing costs. It reads, inflation has increased to levels not seen in the last four decades. And managing costs is even more crucial in inflationary times. The good news is that franchise systems have built in group buying power and on-site owner operators who will manage labor and other costs much more closely than their employed managerial counterparts. And since franchisors with buying power can often access inventory and pass down savings, franchisees can sometimes avoid product shortages such as chicken wings, sriracha or helium, those types of things, so that they will not have to do an 86 or they won't have to 86 popular items. Keeping the business offering attractive both at the consumer and the franchise buyer level. So obviously this is a, a huge deal. 
and, and people talk about this being in franchises or, or being part of a chain business, you know, having the buying power. What's your two cents on that? Oh, Austin, I think that's something that's right up our alley with being a part mm-hmm. of United Franchise Group. And people buy franchises for five things right? Cooperative advertising, training and support, mass purchasing, the fact that you have that brand recognition and it's a proven program. You know, so those are some of the five things that people buy franchises for. And so having, especially during these times of high inflation, having that mass purchasing power in place where you can get discounts because of the group buying of all of your franchisees in the system is a huge advantage advantage to franchise owners. I've, I've talked to many franchise owners in our system and in other systems that have said, it's because I can save this money on my cost that I'm still in business ultimately to this day through COVID and through inflationary times like this. That's a true testament to the power of franchising if the franchise owner, the franchisor does it right. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's, it is ultimately up to the franchisor to build those initial relationships to negotiate on the franchisee's behalf before they're even in the system. Yeah. And then obviously the bigger the system gets, the better the buying power, the more flexibility they have with vendors to negotiate and, and all that stuff. It's a huge deal. We've seen it with small brands. We've seen it with large brands uh, as well. You know, people look for that buying power. And that's why, you know, franchising has been so successful through these times. Yeah. And it, it's, you know, no surprise. Well, and I, and I would add to that, Austin, too. And it's, it's we, we say this all the time, too. It's the franchise owners who don't live on an island. Be the one that communicate to the corporate staff. Corporate's going to communicate to you. We know, we know that a good franchisor is going to communicate to your yeah. franchisees. But be the one who reaches back out too and brings up different things happening in their localized market because mm-hmm. they are the boots on the ground too in that local area. And they're going to be able to point to things that maybe the corporate headquarters doesn't see all the time being in a different city or a different area. Yeah. And so I encourage those of you franchisees who may be listening is to be that vocal franchisee in the system who's going to point those things out to the franchisor. Great advice. So we're going to move on to our third article. And this is kind of one that I just want to briefly touch on. It's an article from the IFA, International Franchise Association, and and they announced some of their congressional endorsements. And so I want to read one part of the article. These candidates have proven that they are champions for America's local franchise small businesses, said IFA President and CEO Matthew Holler. Local franchises are engines for growth in communities around the nation, and we need leaders that prioritize creating an environment for these entrepreneurs and their 8.2 million employees to grow and thrive. The point I want to make by reading that part of this article, I'm not going to dive all into the, the exact people that they endorse and stuff like that. You can look that up on your own. We need to be looking at this, these types of things in franchising. If you're in the franchise industry, if you're a franchisee, if you're a franchisor, if you're an employee of a franchisee or a franchisor uh, or a franchise vendor or suppliers, there's millions of you out there. Be conscious of this. Be conscious of the people that are being put in place in government, whether they're pro-franchising or anti-franchising, there are a lot of people out there that are anti-franchising. And it's it's crazy to think, but you have to look into it. You have to do the research. It's really important. So definitely look at that. Well, I, I saw, Austin, that franchising 
what is it? It, it, it accounts for 30% of all businesses or something along those lines. So 8.2 million employees. Yeah, 8.2 million employees in the franchising systems. And so these laws that people make it, that we may not pay attention to all mm-hmm. the time, and I'm as guilty as it can get yeah. to that too, but those laws, these people were putting into office uh, make a direct impact on the businesses that we support and or that we run, frankly. Mm-hmm. So being involved in the po- politics aspect of, of franchise with franchise focused representatives is so important. I, mm-hmm. I couldn't couldn't agree more, Austin. Absolutely. Um, and it is 775,000 franchise small businesses that employ nearly 8.2 million Americans, $787.7 billion of economic output for the U.S. economy. Wow. So it's a huge impact, and and you guys need to pay attention to that. Lastly, we have typically we're going to do in this segment, we'll do three article headlines. Um, We do have some bonus content for the first episode. Today's kind of a a special day for us. We had a a, a special ceremony, a, a declaration Right? Yes. Is that what you call it? Yes, declaration. Declaration. Yes. You want to explain to everybody what it, happened today? It's not a declaration of independence, Austin. <laughs> no. Today we celebrated and we, we proclaimed that um, October 14th will now be Women in Franchising Day. Not only United Franchise Group, but in the franchising world. We want to recognize the successful women franchise owned businesses that are franchisees uh, in our system, but all around the country and around mm-hmm. the world, frankly. And and then also our women employees here who lead a lot of our departments um, at UFG and in a lot of other franchise companies. And so mm-hmm. we want to really recognize that every year and, and, and do a push for that because, you know, we've seen so many successful women owned franchisees uh, of ours and businesses of ours and, uh, it's, it's really cool to recognize them and have this national holiday here. Yeah, absolutely. I, I second everything that, that you just said. You know, it's extremely important to recognize it and the increase, the dramatic increase that we've seen in women-owned businesses, especially women-owned franchises uh, and women that are leaders in franchises and franchise companies and uh you know, working for franchisors and franchisees. And so it's, it's incredible. Um, and so it's a, a cool thing that we could do and, and recognize and, you know, something that could be carried on, especially. Absolutely. So Absolutely. That's awesome. I think the Entrepreneur Magazine uh, cover has to do with, because uh, it's Women in Small Business Month, right? It is, yeah. Okay. It is, yeah. So that's, that is Awesome. All right. Well, that that closes out our first podcast, guys. But hey, if you're listening to this, you're a franchisee, franchisor, vendor, supplier. uh, You're interested in being on the podcast. We'd love to have you or consider you to be on the podcast. You can reach out to us. You can find me on LinkedIn, Austin Titus, and we'll uh, have a conversation about it. So thanks, everybody, for listening. We really appreciate you all.